0: This is the fifth day of this September 2021, Seven day Hashim, and we'll uh, turn to a, a book called Zen Letters, which is a collection of teachings of Chinese Zen master Yuan Wu. Uh, this is uh, translated by the Cleary brothers, uh, JC and Thomas. Yuan Wu, you may remember, uh, was the teacher of Da Wei in the first, uh, Sashin, the first, uh, Teisho of the Sashin. Uh, we read the biography, some biographical information on Da Wei, and his teacher was Yuan Wu, most famous as the author of the Blue Cliff Record. A few years ago, I read the, from the first half of this book. Now I'm going to pick up from the, from there. divided into uh, uh, a little, each, each section is a, a little chapter is uh, one of his letters, Yuan Wu's letters. He begins this one The present perception is the truth. But the truth is beyond this perception. If you are attached to perception, then this is a perception. It is not the arriving at the truth. So perception meaning the ordinary perception of the world, of form around us. It's, it's it, but but not not it as seen. Uh, if 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 it's just the the world of of the form, those who arrive at truth transcend perception, but they manage to use perception without dwelling in perception. When you pass directly through perception and get free of it. It is all the fundamental truth. Uh, From the Lankavatara Sutra, it says, Things are not what they appear to be, nor are they otherwise. So our, our hearing, our seeing, our feeling, our smelling, our tasting, and so forth, uh, yes. But what is, what is beyond that? Not, not separate from it, but still beyond it. He continues, this truth... And you wonder whether the uh, word is that this Dharma this truth is not being or non-being. In other words, it's beyond both, uh, both ideas of existence or non-existence. It is not speech or silence. Yet it can manifest both being and non-being, both speech and silence. It is forever constant and unchanging. Therefore Yunmen said it's uh, his Japanese name is Ummon, Ummen said it cannot be existent when you speak of it and non existent non existent when you don't, or existent when you think of it and non existent when you don't. That's another word beyond our sensing. you must subtly arrive at this truth and get its great function. Always let transcendent wisdom appear whether you are speaking or silent, whether you are, whatever you are doing. So people, people working on Mu, always let Mu appear whether you are speaking or silent, whatever you are doing. Same with whatever once Koan is Who am I? What is it? Can't it can't be limited to silence or sitting. It's to be continuous. He says, Why? would you say that it is close at hand when you are in your teacher's presence but far away when you are in the countryside? As you go directly forward, naturally you are, will encounter it wherever you are. It is the same. Um, why would we say that it's, it's at hand in Sashin, um, but far away when we are outside Sashin. It's it's the mind that determines it. It's 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 never apart from us. In Sashin, outside Sashin, no matter the circumstances. Because we do so much sitting in Sashin, we can uh, we can access it. We can uh more attuned to it there's not more of it in Sashin and less of it outside Sashin all the enlightened ones and ancestral teachers take this one true thing very seriously it is spread among beings of all potentials high and low, noble and lowly, without any preferences or aversions. It is in all the myriad kinds of action, naturally real, clear, and complete. If you make a special thing out of your views of Buddha Dharma and mystic marvels, then there is a lack but if you are able to refrain from creating arbitrary views and are clean and naked like this, then it is completely revealed. If this matter were in words, then it should be definable in a single sentence with no further change. Why would there be thousands and thousands of sayings imparted by enlightened adepts with no end to them? From this we know that it is not within words, but we need to use words to illustrate this matter. Sharp, spirited people should directly comprehend this idea. It's not in words. There's no answer to what is this an answer that you could type out and text someone what is this what is moo there's no there's no answer as such as a, in as a part of a question answer dichotomy there's no answer but of course we grow into moo uh, we We come to understand it physically, such that we can present it physically. the uh, great Taoist. Xuanzi said, Words exist for meaning. Once you understand the meaning, you can throw away the words. But Where can I find someone with whom I can speak without words? It's uh, really... One way, there are various ways, one way to sum up the Zen school is that it's, we're, we're learning to see beyond words. See beyond words and concepts, see through them. He says, those who realize transcendence pass through words and phrases and can make them come to life. Zen, we we distinguish between live words and dead words, Uh, dead words being just explanations that come from this discursive mind, the discriminating mind, Uh, live words having something behind them, or maybe nothing behind them, so it brings them to life. To skip the the rest of this letter, and then the next one. When Bodhidharma came from the west, bringing the Zen transmission to China, he didn't set up written or spoken formulations. He only pointed directly to the human mind. He yeah, pointed directly. It's 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 uh, easy to take this literally. Um, His pointing, his pointing directly, was his sitting, facing the wall for nine years. Showing the way into the human mind. If we speak of direct pointing, this just refers to what is inherent in everyone. The whole essence appears responsively from within the shell of ignorance. This is no different in ordinary people than in all the sages since time immemorial. It is what we call the natural, real, inherent nature, fundamentally pure, luminous and sublime it swallows up and spits out all of space it is a single solid realm that stands out alone free of the senses and their objects again this uh, getting seen beyond transcending the senses and the world of objects this um, this truer way of, of uh, perception. this uh, string of modifiers here. It is what we call the natural, real, inherent nature, fundamentally pure, luminous, and sublime. And can anyone believe that this is what a teacher sees in Doksan with every person who enters? Truly, fundamentally pure, luminous, and sublime. Teacher sees more than that, of course, but there that's the that's the essence of it. That's always there. <clears throat> Just detach from thoughts cut off sentiments and transcend the ordinary conventions. Detach from thoughts. Could it be any more explicit? Cut off sentiments. Say, don't cling to emotions and feelings. Doesn't mean avoid them or reject them. It's part of of our nature having feelings and emotions come up but but don't uh, attach to them what, what that always means is with the mind thinking about them whatever the feeling or emotion is not getting caught in thoughts about them just letting them be let it be Use your own inherent power and take up its great capacity and great wisdom right where you are. It is like letting go when you are hanging from a mile-high cliff, releasing your body and not relying on anything anymore. Someone once said that uh, meditation at its best is like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. The good news is that there's no ground. It speaks, of course, to the freedom that comes to us through letting go of thoughts. Totally shed the obstructions of views and understanding so that you are like a person who has died the great death. Your breath is cut off and you arrive at great cessation and great rest on the fundamental ground. Fundamental ground is no ground. Your sense faculties have no inkling of this, and your consciousness and perceptions and sentiments and thoughts do not reach this far. Again here, don't take this literally, your breath is cut off. Your life of attachment is cut off. You're free. After that, in the cold ashes of the dead fire, it is clear everywhere, and among the stumps of the dead trees, everything is illuminated. It's a marvelous image, metaphor he presents here after dying the great death, after enlightenment. Among the stumps of the dead trees, everything is illuminated. Then you merge with solitary transcendence and reach unapproachable heights. You don't have to seek mind or seek Buddha anymore. Or we could say, seek enlightenment. You bump into them wherever you go, and they do not come from outside. The hundreds and thousands of aspects and facets of enlightenment since time immemorial are just this. This is mind. There is no need to go on seeking mind. This is Buddha. Why keep struggling to seek Buddha? Buddha, we can translate that as uh, enlightened awareness. This is enlightened awareness and no need to go on seeking it. At this stage, you are free to go forward in the wild field without choosing picking up whatever comes to hand. The meaning of the ancestral teachers is clear in all that grows there. What's more, the thickets of green bamboo and the masses of yellow flowers and the fences and walls and tiles and pebbles are inanimate things teaching the Dharma. The water birds and the groves of trees expound the truths of suffering, emptiness, and selflessness. Based on the one true reality, they extend objectless compassion, and from the great jewel light of nirvana, they reveal uncontrived, surpassingly wondrous powers. Someone, uh, I forget who right now, someone said, uh, to every intelligent person, uh, the universe appears miraculous. That's that's uh, what we move toward in way of perception in Sashim. Things, the same things we've always seen, take on a whole different luster and Wonder. And he says the, the water birds and the groves of trees, yeah, we're surrounded by that here at Chapin Mill. The geese, the we now have uh, egrets on the pond who've adopted us. All of this, everything around us, expounds the truths. These three uh, are the what are called the three characteristics, characteristics of existence in Buddhism. Suffering, no thingness, and no self. Impermanence. He quotes another master, Jia. Without leaving wherever you are, there is constant clarity. No words come closer to the truth than these. If you start seeking, then we know that you are unable to see. Just cut off any duality between wherever you are and constant clarity. And make yourself peaceful and serene. Avoid concocting intellectual understanding and seeking. Uh, Kafka uh, once said something like this, as best I can remember. Uh, You do not need to leave your room. Just sit and listen. Don't even listen. Just sit still. And the universe will roll in ecstasy at your feet. If you can come to grips with this and penetrate through, then what you see before your eyes will reach equilibrium and the illusions that have afflicted you since time without beginning will be washed away. Letters. Those who are determined to practice the way practice self awareness and self understanding 24 hours a day. They think of this and focus on this. They know that the one great cause is there right where they stand, that it is in sages without being augmented and in ordinary people without being diminished. They know that it stands alone, free of senses and sense objects, and that it far transcends material things. The one great cause, the uh, translators have this in uh, italics. The one great cause is right there where they stand mind, that which is beyond cause and effect. In the Hakaman Chan, we say now the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. True practitioners, he writes, don't set up fixed locations in anything they do. They are clear and tranquil with solid concentration and the myriad changes and transformations never disturb them. They appear in response to conditions and respond as they encounter events, leaving nothing incomplete. The myriad changes and transformations never disturb them. As a Zen saying, great winds are powerless to disturb the water of a deep well we're all all of us without exception are mo- moving in that direction this week beyond disturbance People who practice the way begin by having the faith to turn toward it. This is a a very potent statement. Just turning to practice shows faith. That's a, a real testimony to faith. We wouldn't practice unless we had faith in it. Some may have stronger faith than others, but we do it because we have faith in it. It's really a a testimony to our, our faith in our true self. They are fed up with the vexations and filth of the world and are always afraid they will not be able to find a road of entry into the way. Fed up. I remember Roshi uh, saying that he got to the point, as he was about to undertake Zen practice, where he just was fed up with the joyless pursuit of pleasure. that even that shows that there is an awareness of something beyond pleasure, world of pain and pleasure, something more that we can understand, we can live by. But then if you are attached to this true mind, the problem is you cannot get out and it becomes a nest. You set up illumination and function in acts and states, snort and clap and glare and raise your eyebrows, deliberately putting on a scene. I guess these seem to be uh kinds of... uh poses that monks would take in the time of uh, Yuan Wu. Uh, that's why he addresses it specifically. Uh, these are monks who want to present as though they have understanding. Um, but it's it's just a a, a pose. Because when you meet a genuine expert of the school again, meaning a genuine teacher, he removes all this knowledge and understanding for you so you can merge directly with realization of the original, uncontrived, unpreoccupied, no-minded state. After this, you will feel shame and repentance and know to cease and desist. You will proceed to vanish utterly, so that not even the sages can find you arising anywhere, much less anyone else. This is, uh, this is our job in Zen, is to shed uh, what we know, what we think we know, what are the, the ideas, the notions that clog our minds and, and uh, dim our perception, our, our experience of the world. He also may be talking here of of those who've had some insight, maybe even some slight Kensho, and uh, then uh, are attached to that. Every step of the way, whatever we feel we've acquired, insights of any kind, we have to... Shed, we have to discard. One Zen master said, having some attainment is the jackal's yelp, having no attainment is the lion's roar. Giving up ideas of attainment, never looking back, resting one's laurels, such as one may think they are. Ancients worked hard for the sake of the one great cause. Their determination is indeed worthy of respect and they served as an everlasting example for later generations. Boy, uh, determination. Singular importance in Zen practice. Determination to press on on beyond. When you set your body on the meditation cushion it is no more than silencing and emptying the mind and investigating with your whole being. Just make your mind and thoughts clarify and become still. A fine place to do active meditation work is amid confusion and disturbances. When you do active meditation, you must penetrate through the heights and the depths without omitting anything. The whole essential being appears ready-made before you and it no longer arises from anywhere else. It is just this one great potential turning smoothly and steadily. This one great potential, the ultimate potential, is no mind. The void, the emptiness, the source from which all things arise. Why talk any more about worldly phenomena and enlightened truth? If you maintain a uniform equilibrium over months and years, naturally, your stand will be true and solid. It takes time to really, to really advance in this practice takes time. And there's another great resource besides determination is patience. This uh, statement, a fine place to do active meditation work is amid confusion and disturbances. This is counterintuitive to the ordinary person who thinks you have to have a very quiet, special place to do meditation. And that certainly, in the, in the beginning, it helps to uh, not have distractions or minimize the number of distractions. But then we can find... Uh, this silence in the midst of activity, we certainly don't want to be dependent on special, quiet places. Then that's not freedom. We come to Sashin in this quite special, quiet place in order to build up these resources that we have, in order to see the possibility uh, that we can carry with us back out into the world. says just do not give birth to a single thought let go and become crystal clear as soon as any notions of right and wrong and self and others and gain and loss are present do not follow them then you will be personally practising with your own true enlightened teacher If you do that, he says, what worry is there that this work will not be accomplished? This essential nature of ours, this true self, is the ultimate teacher. We can always count on it. If we can detach from thoughts, it will show us the way. It will reveal everything. But most of us need to, to learn that through experience. Uh, this is the, the great thing about just doing the practice. It's We come to see that it works. Um, earlier in our practice, there's some measure of, of belief, maybe even hope. We're doing it in the, in the belief that it'll work. But, but then, with enough time, uh, The experience, our experience itself, our body of experience, becomes the faith. I have seen many people who are intellectually brilliant, but whose faculties are unstable and whose practice is shallow. They think they witness transformation in verbal statements, and they assume that there is no way to go beyond the worldly. Thus they increase the thorns of arbitrary opinion as they show off their ability and understanding. They take advantage of their verbal agility and think that the Buddha Dharma is like this. When situations are born from causal conditions, They cannot pass through to freedom, so they wind up vacillating back and forth. This is really a great pity. He's, of course, speaking of the limitations of this discursive mind, however brilliant it may be. I'm I'm told that Yasutani Roshi in his lecture's Opening workshops in Zen would hold up a ballpoint pen and say, "If this pen is your essential mind, your true mind, then the 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 ball, the tip of this pen is your discriminating mind. Discriminating many mind is no more than that. In Sachine, any time we're sitting, we're we're setting aside." We're sort of uh, suspending, as to some degree, as much as we can, we're suspending the discriminating mind in order that we can uh, see beyond it. He continues, the ancients went through all sorts of experiences and faced all sorts of demons and difficulties. They took charge of their minds all the way along and made them as strong as iron or stone. Thus, when it came to passing through birth and death, they didn't waste any effort. Isn't this the special strength and generosity beyond emotionalism that truly great people possess a special strength and generosity. You can th- maybe think of generosity here. It's a bit of a stretch, but as uh, uh, the. Uh, When we are unbiased or unattached, then we get beyond this ordinary mind. When bodhisattvas who live a householder's life cultivate the practices of home leavers, it is like a lotus blooming in fire. It will always be hard to tame the desire for fame and rank and power and position, not to mention all the myriad starting points of vexation and turmoil associated with the burning house of worldly existence. He's talking about us, householders, the lay life. The only way is for you, yourself, to realize your fundamental, real, wondrous wholeness and reach the stage of great calm and stability and rest. When bodhisattvas, when householders, he's saying, cultivate Zen practice, the practices of home leavers, monks, it's like a lotus blooming in fire. Lotus has always been in Buddhism uh, a... symbol of purity, the purity of our self-nature, regardless of whether we're monks or lay people, it's all here. Those lotus sculptures in the courtyard, a reminder of that. It's magnificent. The lotus uh, grows out of the water, out of the muddy water, they say, and emerges unstained, pure. This is what we can uh, realize even in this world of coming and going, commuting and striving and all, surrounded by people who don't practice the Dharma, we can still have this purity of mind, this clarity, to be set though, it has to be set in daily sitting. It would be best if you managed to cast off everything and be empty and ordinary. Thoroughly experience the absence of conditioned mind and observe that all phenomena are like dreams and magical illusions. Be empty all the way through and continue on clearing out your mind according to the time and the situation. Then you will have the same correct foundation as all the great enlightened Lay people in Buddhist tradition he seems he does seem to be specifically addressing this this the recipient of this letter it must be a lay person, according to your own measure of power. You will transform those not yet enlightened so you can enter together into the uncontrived, uncluttered ocean of true nature. Then your life here on this earth will not be a loss. We'll stop and recite the four vows.